0: Good day. You're tuned into Free City Radio. I'm Stefan Christoph in Montreal. Thanks for being with us. It is the 30th of March, uh, 2021, and this is the 35th edition of the show. Today on the broadcast, I'm going to be featuring an interview with Wissam Ahmed, uh, who works with the organization Al-Haq in Palestine. Al-Haq is... Um, A legal rights organization focused on international law and the ways that the Palestinian people uh, within Palestine under the occupation of the Israeli state uh, continue to face systemic violations of international law, looking at how that plays out in a variety of avenues, uh, whether it is the confiscation of Palestinian lands uh, through uh, the construction of Uh, Israeli settlements supported by the Israeli government, whether it it is the systemic violations in regards to um, the killing of Palestinian protesters or the demolition of Palestinian homes um, by Israeli state authorities or the destruction of Palestinian farmlands and olive trees uh, by settlers. Uh, Often this takes place with tacit uh, support from local Israeli authorities, uh, government authorities. Um, There's a variety of issues that al Haq looks at. They're based in Palestine. Uh, But what I wanted to talk with Wissam about today was the issue of settlements. That is the focus. Um, So under international law, under the Geneva Convention, um, an occupying power does not have the right to construct uh, settlements within the territories that it is occupying. Uh, This is under the Geneva Convention. Obviously, this is not respected by Israeli authorities occupying the West Bank of Palestine. Last uh, summer, there was a great deal of focus on the potential annexation of the Jordan Valley, the official annexation that is in the West Bank of Palestine by uh, the Israeli government. Um, The official annexation didn't go forward, Uh, there was international outcry, but there is creeping colonialism that continues. Um, The ongoing construction of settlements and uh, ongoing moves by Israeli authorities to um, conquer, occupy and settle Palestinian lands uh, against the collective wishes of the Palestinian people. Uh, Given that this is not in the headlines right now, uh, it was a focus last year in the context of um, the uh, discussion globally around uh, the proposal to annex the Jordan Valley on the part of the Israeli uh, government, the right-wing nationalist government of Netanyahu. Given that it is not in the news right now, I wanted to see where things are at. Um, So I had a conversation with Wissam Ahmed from al haq here it is.
1: Al-Haq is the first Palestinian human rights organization. Uh, it is uh, an organization that uh, seeks uh, to uh, ensure that international law is uh, respected and adhered to and enforced. Um, and we see uh, international law as a tool through which uh, the right to self-determination uh, is recognized, preserved, and uh, can be realized for the Palestinian people so long as uh, we continue uh, to push uh, uh, the, um, the integrity and the importance of uh, international law as a means to uh, maintain integrity of the international system as a whole. And the Palestinian issue is, uh, is a microcosm of uh, injustices around the world that require
0: international law to be respected and enforced. Thanks so much for outlining that. So, I mean, one question of international law that has come up a lot in regards to the situation in occupied Palestine is the question of settlements. There's many others, uh, and and I'd really encourage people to check out the work of Al-Haq in general. And thank you for giving an outline. But in regards to um, the imposition of Israeli settlements, it was last summer there was a huge international discussion about um, the uh, push for the annexation of the Jordan Valley in the West Bank of Palestine by the Israeli state. Um, I'm wondering if you could just uh, talk about that a bit because uh, there is this impression that that was um, halted. Um, and from you know following a bit the work of Al-Haq but other organizations, I understand that the uh, control over not just territories in the Jordan Valley Uh, but the sort of creeping colonialism of uh, uh, Israeli state actions continues. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, your last comment uh, sort of uh, hit the nail on the head that this is uh, a form of uh, contemporary colonialism within the context of uh, modern-day international law. And uh, the situation in the Jordan Valley, as it is with uh, much of the occupied Palestinian territory, is uh, continuing to face uh, uh, the slow creeping uh, policy of annexation um, in a de facto manner. Um, and uh, it, the, the spotlight was put on the Jordan Valley because of the announcements on the Israeli side that they wanted to change the process from de facto to de jure and make it a... Uh, hmm. uh, uh, hmm. Formalized uh, under uh, their uh, interpretation of, uh, of the law and uh, and uh, um, how uh, they want to deal with uh, that portion of uh, occupied Palestinian territory, and uh, the the reality is that uh, uh, even if uh, no matter what Israel does with regard to the nuances of uh, the labeling, the process remains the same. That Israel continues. Uh, to uh, develop the settlement uh, enterprise within occupied territory, including the Jordan Valley, uh, continues to hinder Palestinian uh, development Mm -hmm. and demolish Palestinian homes and control Palestinian lives throughout the occupied territory, including the Jordan Valley, um, and the control over uh, natural resources and the economic uh, elements uh, that come uh, with that as well. A lot of parts of the the Jordan Valley, are uh, uh, settlement uh, um, enterprises that uh, have uh, uh, agricultural components uh, for uh, uh, various products. Uh, Also uh, within that is the Dead Sea. Um, All of these uh, things that provide a source of revenue uh, for the settlement enterprise to continue to expand. And so it's part of this broader economic incentive structure uh, that feeds the colonial process and, uh, and Israel continues to do so, um, even without the
0: discussion of a formal annexation. Thanks so much for highlighting that. Can you, can you just describe a bit more that relationship between uh, colonialism on the part of the Israeli state and, and how it benefits the Israeli economy? Sure. Uh, I mean, if you look at the history of uh, colonialism
1: uh, and, and the practices that were used, uh, the situation in Palestine is very similar uh, to the model that was used, for example, in, uh, in the British South Africa company um, uh, through uh, private enterprise connecting uh, with, uh, uh, with uh, the, the colonial process and, uh, and the, the creation of financial incentives uh, to support that process mm-hmm. and making uh, the occupation today uh, the, a profitable venture. Uh, creates this incentive structure where Israel has um, an incentive to continue this process. And that's why it's so important on the part of the international community uh, to look at this incentive structure and address it. Because mm-hmm. uh, as any profitable business venture, mm-hmm. uh, it isn't going to stop uh, on its own. It mm-hmm. has to be uh, uh, challenged mm-hmm. and the laws that regulate the operations of any state have to be enforced. Otherwise, it undermines the integrity of the, the system as a whole. And the, the legacy of colonialism that we see in our present context will only continue to expand.
0: So, so just, just to be um, uh, to maybe look at a few examples. So you mentioned agricultural products. You mentioned also access to, I know that the issue of water is very important in the West Bank. Um, can you just maybe highlight a few ways that um, the settlements sort of fuel this economic benefit for the Israeli economy and and, um, and how like the economic system actually uh, sort of, a- as you mentioned before, propels colonization in the West sure. Bank of Palestine?
1: Sure. Um, uh, if you look at the colonial regime within Palestine uh, from an engineering standpoint uh, and in the architecture uh, of uh, uh, oppression and exploitation, uh, you can see uh, two main pillars in terms of uh, uh, the, uh, that are supporting uh, this exploitation process. Mm -hmm. One part is Palestinian property and natural resources and exploitation of those resources and their control. And the other part is, exploitation of the population and control of a captive population, a captive market, um, uh, their ability to move, uh, Hmm. uh, undermining their ability to develop uh, on their own, while Hmm. at the same time creating sources of uh, cheap uh, labor uh, that uh, in some instances end up having to actually uh, contribute to the building of settlements in order to survive. Hmm. So Hmm. uh, Israel controls the people and uh, the resources Um, as part of this process Mm -hmm. and integrates it within its own broader economic system to participate in the international market as a whole, uh, whether it's international trade through settlement products, whether it's the development of technology, uh, weapons, Mm -hmm. uh, cybersecurity, uh, uh, and and using the Palestinian uh, uh, context uh, as a laboratory for developing such things and also marketing them to the international community. So the international community is very much interconnected
0: to this incentive structure and its perpetuation. Thanks for uh, outlining that, uh, Wissam. I think often people don't link the Israeli economy and the occupation process. Maybe often there's a sort of like conceptual narrative that sees, okay, well, yes, Israel's occupying Palestine, but this is something they're just doing. This is, yes, it's a violent situation, but it's not maybe that there's no actual economic benefits to that. So um, underlining a bit more um, the ways I want to get back to the settlements, but just like the point that you mentioned was really important about um, the ways that uh, the Israeli military economy, so military industrial complex, actually markets the experience of the Israeli occupation and the tools and resources quote unquote resources developed um, as 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 also a benefit uh, to the Israeli economy surveillance infrastructure etc
1: yeah yeah, and uh, I mean there's a lot of good work that has been done on this issue uh, uh, by others as well. Uh, um, an author uh, Jeff Helper uh, wrote a book uh, on uh, this issue in part. Uh, also, there is a film uh, titled "The Lab" uh, that uh, looks at the, how uh, Israel markets uh, its uh, field-tested uh, uh, weapons uh, to the international community. And uh, I think uh, you know this linkage between what is happening in the occupied Palestinian territory and uh, the Israeli economy is an important uh, link that uh, needs to be understood uh, better. And it's very similar to uh, the relationship between the colonies and the metropole, uh, uh and throughout history. And uh, people need to see uh, those mm-hmm. connections, um, between the colonizer and the colonized mm-hmm. and the relationships uh, between them. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the colonial oppressors, uh, are not simply, uh, oppressing and colonizing because, uh, mm-hmm. They uh, they just hate uh, other people. There's a benefit uh, for the process, and they see it as part of uh, their ability to uh, uh, compete within uh, uh, a very Machiavellian world and uh, and this kind of uh, imperial mindset. Yeah, and it's very the situation in Palestine is uh, simply a microcosm of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I I, I really appreciate what you're saying uh, about this uh, in terms of understanding the economic benefits to um, colonization and and also the the links you're making um, to historical realities of, of colonization. And you mentioned apartheid in South Africa and what's happening in Palestine. I mean, even for a liberal government like the one in Canada, I think that there isn't really that leap towards, I mean, there's talk about human rights, which is a good step, but there isn't really that understanding of, or at least articulated in in a way to see structures of colonialism as beneficial for economic orders that, that actually are part of that process. I mean, it really makes you also consider, for example, uh, the way that Canada's military and police are are, are linked to that history of colonization. Um, you know, the the suppression of the Métis rebellion, for example, in uh, what is Win- uh, Winnipeg area or Manitoba, and how the the economic benefits of the rail, rail railway actually uh, were totally intertwined with the. Um, deployment of troops that led to the repression of the, the Métis uh, call for autonomy. But anyways, not to go into that, I guess, you know, uh, in terms of like thinking about some of the frameworks that you're describing, thank you for going over the reality of the Jordan Valley and ongoing settlements. I'm wondering, given you're on the ground, can you just describe for us sort of just, uh, um, you're in the West Bank. so. Can you describe just geographically a settlement or maybe a settlements in the, in, in the Jordan Valley, like the, the, the visuals of that reality?
1: Well, um, we have a number of uh, virtual field visits uh, on our website that are more useful than uh, me describing. Uh, sure. Narrative. I sure. encourage your audience to uh, uh, look at those, uh, but uh, uh, the best uh, analogy is uh, cancer and how uh, um, uh, a small uh, settlement outpost uh, begins and uh, continues to spread throughout the land uh, um, and uh, controlling more and more of that and having an impact on the the body as a whole and uh, the Palestinian uh, people um, are impacted uh, by this uh, uh, spread of uh, the settlement enterprise uh, throughout Palestinian territory. And uh, it is done in a very... Um, uh, sort of intentional manner in terms of the the expansion of the settlement uh, enterprise in uh, strategic areas within the Palestinian territory uh, to control uh, uh, whether it's uh, topography, uh, geography, uh, the uh, the resources. Um, uh, uh, linkages uh, within uh, territory. Uh, it's, uh, again, very similar to the previous uh, colonial uh, processes of the past of controlling uh,
0: trade routes and uh, and, uh, and resources. Mm-hmm. Thanks for highlighting all that. So in relation to uh, the points you mentioned, what are some maybe key cases that maybe you're working on within Al-Haq right now to just give us a sense of what like the very sort of the daily grind of the organizational work that you're doing? Because, I mean, people do go to protests in support of Palestinian human rights. It's a positive thing, in my opinion. But there is also that sort of the daily grind of an organization like yours um, that continues to track these issues.
1: Yeah, and I mean, the unfortunate reality is uh, um, it takes uh, an escalation of the... the, uh, bad situation to get the attention of the international community uh, to a large extent. Uh, And a lot of the times uh, it is the, the daily uh, undermining and oppression uh, uh, that uh, gets lost uh, in the discussion. Uh, But it's the things that we have to face uh, on a continuous basis uh, in documenting the violations that are happening on a regular basis. A home is demolished here uh, Trees are chopped down uh, here or burned here. Uh, someone is uh, attacked here. Um, it, these kind of things happen on a regular basis, but they don't make uh, the news and they don't uh, push the people uh, to take uh, action. Uh, but it is our responsibility as an organization based here in Palestine to ensure that uh, uh, the broader process of uh, colonization and its details are monitored and documented um, and uh, and put in a way that uh, uh, at least forces the international community uh, mm-hmm. to, uh, to address it. Uh, um, and a lot of times we have to take uh, um, a lot of these uh, different incidences and violations and piece them together in a way uh, that gets the attention of uh, UN mechanisms, uh, member states uh, to understand how, uh, I would say, uh, To ensure that things don't get lost in the forest for the trees and we see what is happening in the different areas and on a daily basis as part of this broader colonial system and this is uh, always a challenge because you have such uh, challenge so many uh, violations happening on a daily basis that you don't want to be put in a situation where you are simply putting out fires or trying to raise. Alarms about the individual incidences and lose sight of the bigger picture.
0: Mm. And you mentioned two uh, examples: uh, the cutting down of of uh, uh, trees, also the de- demolition of of homes. So, just so people understand, I mean, uh, Israeli settlers do cut down trees and Palestinian homes. Uh, these are Palestinian trees being cut down, and uh, Palestinian homes are demolished.
1: Yeah. And uh, you know, it's the whether it's the trees or the homes, they are a reflection of the Palestinian connection to the land, uh, the Palestinian uh, uh, steadfastness on that land, and uh, the whether it's the Israeli official military apparatus or settlers operating uh, individually, uh, um, but also very much in a symbiotic relationship with uh, uh, the formal uh, military apparatus uh, that uh, challenges. Uh, and undermines uh, any mm. Palestinian connection or tries to undermine it by destroying that connection physically.
0: Wow. Um, well, uh, thanks for going over all this, uh, Wissam. Um, so, uh, your legal work uh, as a lawyer um, um, continues with Al Haq. Um, could you uh, just share with us the website of your organization if people would like to go for more information?
1: Sure, it's alhaq.org. Um, uh, it has a lot of valuable information uh, and a lot of the, the work that we've done over the years, um, various uh, cases we've been involved in, submissions we've made to the UN, uh, work uh, on the ICC. Mm-hmm. Um, all of these mechanisms uh, we see as uh, tools that uh, we need to make use of because, in theory, they are part of uh, ensuring the integrity of the international system and the rule of law uh, based order. Um, and we want to put those uh, mechanisms to use mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, um, have them uh, deliver on what is uh, written on paper.
0: That was a conversation with Wissam Ahmed from the uh, rights organization Al-Haq, which is based in Palestine. Uh, we were talking about uh, ongoing uh, settlement construction uh, supported by the Israeli government within. Uh, Palestine. A variety of other issues that were touched on. I think one important one I'll just underline is the economics of occupation and the ways that the Israeli economy benefits from um, the ongoing um, occupation and the ways that there is economic incentive involved. Uh, I think that often um, the Israeli occupation isn't thought about in terms of economic benefits for the Israeli state. And I think Wissam from El Haq uh, in that interview really outlines uh, some important points in regards to that. That is the program this week uh, for Free City Radio. I'm Stefan Christoph in Montreal. We broadcast uh, and share a new podcast every Tuesday, it is the 30th of March. And this is the 35th edition. If you like what you're hearing, I'd really encourage you to subscribe to Free City Radio. You can do so. Find us on um, Apple Podcasts. Please give us a rating if you like what you're hearing. Um, and you can email me anytime at stefan.christoff at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at spirodon, S-P-I-R-O-D-O-N. And uh, thanks for being with us today. Um, We will be back next Tuesday. I wanted to share a piece of music with you uh, that I worked on with my brother, uh, Jordan, and our friend Joseph Sanacondro out of New York. It is a piece called A Free Palestine Dream, and this was released by the Emek Collective in Sofia, Bulgaria. Uh, It is an ambient piece, and I'll go out with that here on Free City Radio. I'll talk to you next week. Take it easy.